You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us safely to this day. May we use this time together to grow in our love and understanding of you. May we be given ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your Holy Spirit. Inspire us, Lord, to live according to your design that we might love and serve you in joy and confidence. Amen. Well, um, I was going to recap last week's class, which is a pretty good idea since we only have one repeater, um, and I think it will be helpful for all of us just to kind of see what we did last week and then where we're going today. Um, and as Rebecca and I said last week, we we intentionally structured these two weeks where the first week would be more of the theological perspective on food and our bodies and body image. And then today we hope to offer some practical insights and suggestions for what it might actually look like to live in the world that to live in this world that tells us that clearly our appearance is our worth. Um, and it bears repeating over and over that Rebecca and I are no experts. Um, in fact, if you could have watched us the last planning session we had this week where Rebecca was also kind of in her head about what she was going to wear to some big event and how that kept kind of infiltrating us as we were trying to hash out this class and I thought if if these women could see us right now they would just laugh because here we are standing up like we've got something to offer when really that's what we have to offer our own and so that is what we offer um, just us as fellow travelers moving along with you as we deal with our own struggles in this area um, and and so really what we hope we can do is to um, initiate a conversation on this hugely complicated topic that we can then um, carry forth as we go out and as we are mothers and daughters and just females in the world so last week the theological things we covered we reminded everyone that our bodies are good they are they are knitted together in our mother's womb by god himself um, and in genesis 2 verse 7 i, I often overlook this interesting detail um, that it says then the lord god formed the man of dust that's us from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature so think about that a minute that means that our breath all breathing ever since um, Adam's um, is the breath of God and that's what we have in us we are breathing the breath of God um, and not only are our bodies created good um, they're created for a purpose and everybody likes a purpose well we have one too and our body's purpose is to glorify God and to be a living temple for his Holy Spirit I don't know if you caught in the um, passage if you were in the nine o'clock and got to hear it's was it Ephesians St. Paul's 
second corinthians what he talks about if this tent um, is destroyed he's talking about his temple because um, the tent was the temple when they when the israelites were in the wilderness um, so we are truly god's tent um, we are the house of his holy spirit and um, we don't think about this i don't think about this but our bodies are eternal um, they're not going anywhere um, they're going to be redeemed and they're going to be made new whatever that looks like and they're going to be made perfect whatever that looks like but they will be with with god in eternity and they will be there to glorify god in eternity so we're not just talking about mortal flesh and blood um, as christian people and then we also um, looked at the fact that food is also a gift from god and that way food is good um, he made it to please us and he made it so that it might fuel us and sustain us however as we all know everything falls on the fall um, our relationships to our bodies and to food was broken and disordered as were all other relationships um, eve and adam in their attempt to be god to um, decide on their own what they were going to eat so that they might be like god um, that got them in one fat mess because immediately they knew they were naked and they were ashamed and one of the first things they did was try to put some clothes on themselves um, so thanks to satan's lies um, we tie our worth to our appearance or we are so inclined we live somewhere in the tension of either feeling unworthy because of our appearance our appearance doesn't hold up it doesn't match the standard and we feel shamed and unworthy or we live in the fear that our appearance is fleeting and when it leaves us um, we therefore will our worthiness also leave us um, and I don't know where y'all are in that but let me tell you as you get older um, that really is unsettling if what's important to you is how you appear and you realize oh, it's changing <laughs> and not necessarily in a good way so we live somewhere in that tension and this is a sad state of bondage um, it's a bondage to sin that only Christ can free us from and then the body of Christ however God has given us each other to be encouragers for one another I thought Doug Webster kind of spoke to that a little bit in the sermon today um, to keep the saving truth of the gospel uppermost in our hearts and our minds we have each other to encourage one another and that's kind of where we ended it last week on that note and so this is where we're picking up this morning okay so first we're going to watch a movie clip of course um, and this is from the movie little miss sunshine has anybody seen it okay good um, so i don't really need to tee you up too much but just just a reminder in case it's been a while this is a family and they're en route um, so that this little girl olive can enter a beauty pageant little miss sunshine 
And here you have the grandfather. He's a heroin addict. Here you have the uncle who is depressed and suicidal. Here you have the older brother who is mad at everybody and has taken a vow of silence um, that he, will, he intends to keep until he gets into the Air Force. There's Olive, delightful, sweet, innocent girl who really has a thing about beauty pageants and beauty queens and she's been given this opportunity to enter one. And then we have the mom who is worried about many things. She's the only breadwinner in the moment in the family. She's worried about her brother. She's got this strange son. Um, and then we have the dad, Greg Kinnear. And he is um, desperately trying to get a book and a whole program produced and marketed. And it's your typical how to be your best self sort of set up so he's all about marketing himself and getting the message out there this is how you can be your best self and you'll see little hints of the kind of stuff he's talking about in the exchange here so here we go oh no Richard is an idiot. I like a woman with meat on her bones. <laughs> Why is everyone so upset? No, no one's upset, honey. I, I just want you to understand. It's okay to be skinny, and it's okay to be fat if that's what you want to be. Whatever you want, it's okay. Okay, but Olive, let me ask you this. Those women in Miss America, are they skinny or... Skinny, I guess. Yeah. I guess they don't need to 
Okay, well, um, isn't that just a delightful scene? It's a, it's a delightful movie. I, I couldn't, you know, recommend it if we had younger folk here, but um, it's a really good movie. But let's take just a moment and talk, see if we can't pick out the different messages that Olive got from her family about food and her appearance. So, first of all, what, what was the father's message to Olive? Ice cream will make you fat. Um, yeah, and Miss Americas must not eat ice cream because they're not fat. Um, and then what's the message of the mother? Exactly. And I think that's a really interesting, that's a whole nother class in a way, because that's very much of the world in this moment, that it's okay to be whatever you want to be. And that is, you know, that's blasphemy. That's dangerous because it's really not. Left to our own devices, whatever it is that we want to be is, is going to end up being pretty lousy. You can be like God. You can be like God, yeah. And, and again, it, but, you know, it even gets into you can be whatever gender you want to be. You, it, it just, it's, it sounds nice and inclusive and loving, but it's really, it's a lie. All right, and then what about the grandfather? What's his message? <laughs> it's a little more nuanced, but you remember he says, don't pay any attention to him. Um, I like a woman with meat on her bones. Well, what he's saying, and, and is your appearance is still important to a man, but I happen to like women that have some meat on their bones, so eat your ice cream. But you eat your ice cream so you can get meat on your bones so men like me will like you. I mean, that, you know, um, that's how he's understanding it all. So, and then what do, you, what do you think about the way the family, most of the family, the dad never does, um, comes in to redeem Olive's sort of her loss of innocence. She went from, oh boy, I never get this, but I'm going to have ice cream with my breakfast to maybe I shouldn't eat ice cream because it will make me fat. And then how does the family kind of rally around that? They all dug in. Yeah, <laughs> they all dug in. And you get the feeling that... Um, it was an act of love more than it was a real need to have some ice cream. Like I bet the Steve Corral character really did. He had just ordered, you know, a fruit salad. 
he probably did not want to eat that ice cream, but out of love for his niece, that's what he did. So that's where we are, and now Rebecca is going to talk. Yes. Okay, so one of the reasons why I think we both love this clip so much in regards to this class is you see just kind of the outworkings of broken relationships in all four of kind of the main spheres of relationships. We talk about this a lot in youth ministry, but we like to think in terms of the four spheres of relationships. We've got our relationships with God, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others, and our relationship with God's creation. In this case, it's the ice cream, right? That's the creation piece. And I just think you see so beautifully, everyone clearly in this clip has a broken relationship in all four of those spheres. And so now we're going to move into more kind of the practical session or part of this class. I'm going to address the moms, hopefully, and then mom's going to talk to, I mean, we're all, we're all mothers and daughters in one sense, but so that's, that's where we're going. And I thought it would be helpful to think in terms of the four spheres, especially as it relates to food and our bodies. So just real quick, you know, taking ourselves, for example, when we are living out of the lies of diet culture, when we are living out of the lie that our worth and our appearance are linked, how does that affect our relationship with God? What does that say that we're believing about God? He doesn't get the final word on who we are. Exactly, Lisa. Yeah, and he's not in control. He can't be trusted in that way. What about ourselves? This one's pretty easy. What lie are we believing about ourselves? Exactly, yeah. That we are not the beautiful and wonder, wonderfully and fearfully made people that God declares us to be. And then others. I think this one, I mean, you see this especially with the way that Olive's dad relates to Olive, right? He tries to control her. He wants her to be a winner. That's what he's so big on. And so he tries to control what Olive does and doesn't order. That's affecting his relationship with others. And then creation, like we saw, we tend, to, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but we don't honor food anymore as the good creation that it was intended to be. We moralize it or demoralize it. And that's a really unhelpful thing when it comes to relating to creation. Okay, so now this is my, mom and I were talking about, you know, if we could, if we could talk to the moms or the daughters, what would we want to say? And I actually did. I thought about some things that I thought would be helpful for moms to know. And then I also asked around some peers too. So this is not just, this is not just me. But here's what I would say to the mothers among us. And again, I kind of broke it down as I was thinking about the advice, or if you could call it that, what I would want to say. It did kind of naturally fit into these four spheres. So the first thing that I think is so important is know your story. Because whether or not you have a story with food in your body, even if it's not something that necessarily rears its head every day, we all have had wounds. We all have given wounds. We've all been wounded ourselves. And so it's really important, I think, to process with and before the Lord our own stories as it relates to food and our body image. Because... That story gets worked out every day, and especially for um, mothers, that story is watched and absorbed. Your daughter is listening, or son, 
they are watching and things are picked up whether you realize it or not, even though that's hardly ever a mother's intention. I, I asked mom if I could tell this story on her, but um, I have this weird, you know how sometimes you just have flashlight memories growing up that seem inconsequential? I have this vivid memory of us watching TV together one night and a, maybe Dove or whatever commercial comes on. This is probably before their positive body trend. And it shows how this new deodorant won't leave, you know, marks on your clothes. So this woman takes off her dress and she's in her undergarments and woohoo, no marks on her dress. And um, she's a very slender woman. And I remember mom saying just very casually, oh, I'd kill to look like that. And didn't mean anything by it. I mean, most women would have thought the same thing. But I remember thinking as a young child in that moment, mom does look like that. And... Um, oh, so that's, that's what I want to look like now. That's the standard. And so just to keep in mind, the way in which you talk about your own self, your own body, the way you relate to food, that is being absorbed, even from a young age. Okay, others. Um, I'm skipping around here. But yeah, be mindful in front of your child how you comment on someone's appearance. Do you say things like, wow, so-and-so looks so great. They must have lost a bunch of weight. Do you say things um, about your child's appearance that may or may not be helpful? Um, do you compare your own body in front of your daughter? How do you talk about appearance? Do you tend to link appearance and worthiness in the way that you talk about others? Do you compare yourself? Um, God, I think that one thing I would love to tell mothers is that, kind of like we saw Greg Kinnear do with Olive, is that surrender the control of your son or your daughter's appearance to God. Remember that God is ultimately in control. God ultimately knows how to feed us best. He knows how to clothe us best. He is the one writing the story of all of our lives. And so as hard as it may be, remember to surrender that trust and that desire to control to the Lord, the, the most capable one to handle it. Okay, lastly, creation. I'm, I'm saying demoralize food. And here's what I mean by that. So the diet and wellness industry is a multi, I want to make sure I get this right, billion, billion dollar industry. Guess what the failure rate of the diet industry is? Pick a number, any number. Lisa, you look like you know. 90%, 90% of a failure rate. And this is the industry that's at the same time telling us about clean eating. Um, you know, it's given us language like junk food. It's what makes us say things like, oh, I was so bad last night. I ate two pieces of pizza. That's not bad. Food is amoral. We are obviously not saying that health isn't a thing. We, we, we're not trying to not recognize that some foods are inherently healthier than others. But think about what that does to our brains when we label foods as bad or clean or good or junk, or when we label ourselves as bad for eating a certain food. Um, so that's maybe a helpful way we can begin to reframe how we think about how we relate to creation. And then lastly, this is just something I wanna say that I think is important as, as a mom. Know when it's time to seek professional help. You know, this is not, eating disorders are nothing to be messed around with. Um, there's no shame in needing to seek professional help. 
there's no um it, we don't want to keep that hidden and so yeah keep an eye out for really harmful patterns in your child and know that there is never never any shame and needing to seek professional help. Lisa um, reminded me that there's a National Alliance of Eating Disorders. They have a website and a hotline. They also have a diagnostic tool online. Um, so there are tools that God has given us for these very things. And within the church, too. Definitely. And covenant Counseling has got yes, women on their staff. Yes, yes. Mainly what they work with. And Gail Cracky did not pay us to say that. <laughs> All right, no. now. Hmm. All right, well, our, our plan is that I was going to address the daughters, but, you know, we're all daughters in this room. And so, and also we may have some people who listen in, and I think what Rebecca had to say to us moms was also good for daughters to hear, and so I'm hoping same in reverse. And what I would say first to these young women who are growing up right now or, or just coming into adulthood I mean, my hat is off to them. Just, I, I can't imagine. Um, it, it wasn't easy for me growing up and being a female and figuring out what that meant and what was expected of me and how I was supposed to look. I mean, just, just the matter of my hair. It was not the hair of the day. And it was, I can't tell you the agony that it put me under. But these days, these girls and young women, they can't open a screen, they can't look at a magazine, they can't, they can't get away from it, it seems to me. And I'm just, um, I can only imagine the snakes that must slither around in their heads while they try to navigate being who they are and um, living in this world that tells them so many hard things. So um, to us daughters, um, I would also encourage daughters to give their moms lots and lots of grace because chances are really good that um, mothers haven't figured this all out either in their own lives. Um, I could certainly speak for myself. Um, I have a dear friend, in fact, I'll name her because you, you will uh, appreciate her humor, Miriam Morris. Well, Miriam, had, um, she's, she died a couple of years ago, but Miriam had a sister who was Down syndrome. And that, so that meant she just, she maintained her childlike quality all her life. She was a hoot. But M Miriam joking one time, but I think there was some real wisdom in it. She said, you know, my sister is the only grown woman I know who worries that she might be too skinny and can't wait to be 50. I mean, and so that, that lovely innocence and comfortableness with self, um, most of us lose that by before age 10. We just, you know. Um, but Meg, uh, Miriam's sister, really had more of a right orientation. Um, and, and then let's also remember and this again, as if you are a mother as well as if you are a daughter, we're designed so that when a baby comes into the world, usually the mother is completely in control of feeding that, that baby. I mean, the baby would die if we, as mothers, usually, 
um, the ones, didn't put food in their mouths from the day they're born. And there is a, a real loveliness and a real economy to that, you know. Um, you put your child in her high chair and you put food on her tray and she eats what she wants and she doesn't eat what she doesn't want. There might be a little back and forth. Now, come on, eat your banana. But the mom is making all the decisions about what, she's, what her child is eating. And so and we get to that place where independence starts to happen and our daughters start making their own eating choices, or we, as we were growing up, started eating our own choice, uh, making our own ch choices, that can be really unsettling for a mother. Um, because, let's face it, when we were in control, we just felt a lot better, because we knew exactly what was going into their little bodies. Um, and so it's so easy to get twisted up as we teach our children how to take care of their bodies. I mean, let's face it, we're, we're gonna give mixed messages. I mean, may, may raise your hand if you've ever given a mixed message to one of your girls about, yeah, um, me too. Um, because we want them to be healthy, right? And that's a good thing. And we want to protect them from this world that is so incredibly judgmental. And that's a good thing, but it, it it confuses us sometimes and we come across as confused. And then the, the main thing um, is that mothers and daughters together, the most important thing we can do is we can bring this out into the light to talk about it. Um, you know, disordered relationships of all sorts, they're often cultivated in the dark, in secret. I mean, last week we had a Taylor Swift clip, and in it, if you remember, if you were here, she is looking at the camera and she says, yeah, when anybody would say they were worried about my weight, I would insist that I eat, I just exercise a whole lot. And then she kind of looks in the calendar, I mean, in the camera sideways, and she says, but that was a lie, I wasn't eating. So see, she had that secret and she was, it was very important to her to control it and keep it in the dark. And there's very little that we can do for ourselves or for each other when we, when we are in darkness. So um, we need to encourage our daughters to, or our friends or whoever it is in our world to talk about it, to bring it out into the light. Um, and so if you are a girl listening in today and you were wondering about your relationship with food, you know, bring your mom in to your doubts or worries. It might even be something as, mom, I'm keeping a daily journal about what I eat and the calories I'm consuming. Do you think that's okay? Or do you think I'm maybe getting a little obsessed? Just anything like that. And then back at um, us mothers, do we evaluate ourselves based on what we've eaten in a day? Um, do we evaluate ourselves by the way our body is shaped? I know Rebecca would tell you that yes, her mother does and does that on a regular basis. And Rebecca has um, at, at times very uh, lovingly challenged me on some of the things I say or project. Um, she, she doesn't let me get away with it. 
Um, for example, if I say something like uh, I said, oh man, I was so bad last night. Your dad and I went to Bottega and I ate all my dessert. And you know, Rebecca will say, well, I know you're bad, Mama, but how does that make you bad? Um, yeah, but just it's it's we gotta we gotta bounce things off of each other. We gotta help each other. Um, and then on a personal note, um, for those of you who were here last week and you heard from Rebecca about her own disordered eating phase, um, as her mother, it was pretty scary. Uh, I knew, and I knew exactly the bondage that Rebecca was under because I had had my own season in my life where I decided to play God and think that I knew better about how to control my body size and therefore my worth in the world. That, that I thank you, God, I need to take care of that. Um, and so I could see it kind of happening before my very eyes with my daughter. Um, and it was scary because I, I knew how pervasive those lies are and how hard it is to silence them, to even bring them into the open light. Um, and I also knew that words alone from me or even from her friends could not altogether free her. When we're in that place, we don't even hear correctly a lot of the times. But I say this to um, anybody listening today um, who may be feeling like, I, yeah, I don't have a very healthy relationship with food, to just let somebody, your mother, somebody in. Um, you know, even if they can't fix it, and they probably can't, um, they can be your companion. They can be with you, and it's that Naming it and bringing someone into your struggles, that's the beginning of, of healing that ultimately, of course, we know the source and where it comes from. And now Rebecca's going to finish us up with... Um, yeah, we need to let y'all go soon, but... Um, yeah, this is not going to take long. Okay, yes. We just wanted to end on a note of really the... I don't know if I'm holding this microphone correctly or not. Um, yeah, we, we wanted to end just on... The, the only hope that we all have and that probably the, um, the only fail-proof advice maybe we can give you, not totally fail-proof, but is this idea of one of the best things you can do as daughters, sisters, mothers, encouragers in the faith is to build a relationship that's centered on Christ and on his word. Um, and so we're going to look at a proverb, but before we do that, I just got to reiterate, one, we are not experts. We have no degrees, no, um, you know, nothing impressive that makes us the final voice on this. We also, yeah, everything that we are saying has just come from our own mess-ups. Um, so please do not hear us saying, just read the Bible more and your eating disorder will be healed. That is so, if only it were that easy. Nor are we saying that if you or someone you love struggle with a disordered eating or an eating disorder, does that mean that their relationship with God is not sufficient? It's a, it's a mental thing. It's a heart thing. It's a uh, psychosociological thing. So please do not, this is not us trying to put a biblical band-aid over a gaping bullet hole. But we do want to end with looking at a proverb, and we're going to see how this proverb, it's a, 
someone of an older generation passing down the truth of God's word to the younger generation. And we just want to offer you the encouragement of if this is what your relationship with your daughter or your sister or your mother is built upon, the lies and the snakes and the idols of the food and diet industry tend to get a little bit quieter. They might never go away, but if this and the Lord are front and center, um, they tend to be, they tend to lose some of their power. So I'm going to read from Proverbs 3. It says, My son or daughter, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So we see this elderly person telling the younger person, essentially keep the main thing the main thing. Remember your first love. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Note two of the four spheres of relationships mentioned there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, don't give in to this lie that you can manufacture your worth, that you can manufacture um, the control of your life. Leave that up to the Lord. Do not lean on your own broken understanding of how to run your life. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I love, I love ending on this note of refreshment. You know, our relationships with God are ultimately the only thing that can provide us the refreshment and the nourishment and the fulfillment that we so desperately try and look for elsewhere. Um, and so there is hope, there's redemption to be found in all the messiness of walking through our broken relationships with food and our bodies and ourselves and others. And um, I, I want to encourage you to watch the rest of Little Miss Sunshine because you will catch a glimpse of this redemption in the scene where Olive meets Miss California. It's a beautiful scene. I won't spoil the ending and we've got to go, but I encourage you to watch it because um, it's just a really redemptive moment in the film. So I'm going to pray for us and then y'all will be good to go. Lord God, thank you so much for these women that you've gathered here. Thank you, Lord, to, uh, for everyone who might be listening to this class at some point. Father, we come to you when we just really need your help. And so pray, Father, that you would help us know how to love and honor and serve you more. Help us, God, to trust you for um, the only source of our worthiness as um, the God who is control of all of us and all of our loved ones, Lord. Pray that you would heal our broken relationships, the way that we um, disorderedly relate to ourselves and to others and to food and to our bodies um, and to you, God. Pray that you would sustain us and refresh us in only the ways that you can. Thank you, Lord, for this time and thank you for the gift of your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.